Hello and welcome to This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, this is Ross Ingalls. In more than 150 cities around the world, COVID-19 has been what you might call a shot in the arm for walking and cycling Bogota. Added 76 kilometres of temporary bike lanes on main streets to ease pressure on public transport and to provide space for social distancing. Paris and Mexico City each added 50 kilometres. Sydney announced six new cycle routes. Other cities expanded footpaths, replaced parking spots with outdoor seating and cut speed limits. What did New Zealand do? For the answer, I turn to Auckland-based researcher Dr. Kirsty Wilde. Kirsty was part of a Mackey Research and University of Auckland team that studied this country's streetscape reallocation as part of the fight against COVID. The study was commissioned by Waka Kotahi, the transport agency. Kirsty, welcome to this climate business. How did we do compared to the rest of the world? Oh, kia ora, Ross. Um, well, we initially had a good go at it. I have to say that... Um, you know, when we had the first shock of our first level four last year, um, if we think of our big main centres, um, Auckland was really concerned about physical distancing, um, put in a bit of extra cycleway on Tamaki Drive and Ponsonby Road and, of course, Queen Street. Right. Um, Wellington was really worried about public transport, giving people some alternatives to public transport, um, also brought in a bit of uh, slow speed spaces for people walking and cycling. And Dunedin was worried about the sort of recovery of their town centre when things, mm. when people came back. And so they had a real go at introducing some, some more space for pedestrians. Probably not that unsurprisingly. It still felt like um, maybe not core stuff, weird stuff. Uh, we have lots of battles over streetscape reallocation generally mm. and that, that wasn't really that different mm. but we had some great um like new initiatives also that came out of it so we had the innovating streets fund which opened up um possibilities for councils to apply for money groups to apply for money to have a go at sort of little experimental street changes to mm. open up more public space for people during covid and I think there's been 78 projects funded out of that um, COVID Innovating Streets Fund around mm. the Motu. And we've seen that it has kind of prompted some changes for some councils. So one of those 78 projects in, in Wellington, they did a few parklets following on from that initial experience. They had a, a go at doing a few parklets, right? That's where you take out a park and you put in some seats and stuff for people. It sort of expands the, um, the space people have to hang out in the street. And they also put in a few temporary bike lanes. And as a result of that experience, getting to experiment with it, you know, they're now rolling out this proposal for a sort of rapid rollout of cycleways all over the city. Mm. After having a bit of a bruising experience with um, <laughs> lanes in the past, like island bay so it's given us a chance to kind of experiment we certainly have not run with it as a covid intervention in the way that they have overseas Mm. 
So it it all sounds a bit patchy. Uh, you, you've yeah. been studying transport in New Zealand for quite a long time. Were you, were you surprised at those results? I was I was a bit disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially because lots of people were trying to get out and bike and everything. And um, you know, we saw a huge increase in in neighbourhood cycling and walking um, in Tamaki Makoto, where I am. And um, so I was a bit disappointed. But, you know, it's just the – it's also some of the response was we're following elimination and elimination means we want – people want things to seem as normal as possible and this is not a time to experiment. Mm. And it's kind of like, ah, oh, is that what we're going to get all the time with <laughs> – like things are going to get more and more unsettled ecologically with climate change, with mm. – um, with probably more zoonotic disease um, as another environmental um, issue like COVID where you get diseases that come from animals. Um, So, you know, you don't want your response all the time to be like, people need security. We don't want to change anything every time things get disrupted. So I was a bit disappointed that they didn't pick up and run with it. But, you know, now um, we're sort of, we're moving away from elimin- or we're being forced to move away from elimination. We're probably right. going to be moving into a situation nowhere near as severe as they faced overseas, where they were going into this situation without vaccines. But um, right. you know, um, we probably are in a space now where we're more open to experiment, um, hmm. probably with things like outdoor dining. I suspect. So, is it a little bit like? Do you feel like we've missed um, an opportunity for a, a structural cha- change in the way we allocate street streets in New Zealand? I think there's no doubt, but I'm not sure that the moment has entirely passed. Right. We don't have a sterilising vaccine, so everywhere needs to adopt a vaccine plus approach. Mm. And one of the key things that we want to see, especially in a country like Aotearoa, we don't have many ICU beds, etc., we want to prevent, 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 prevent as much as possible. And one of the best ways to do that, you know, lockdown is a type of physical distancing, uh, but it's a really extreme form. And so what you want to do is just be opening up space everywhere and especially space outside. And I think from a climate perspective, we absolutely need alternatives to public transport. Um, mm. I, I think that there's no doubt it's going to have a really negative, highly likely to, you know, um, I don't want to be fatalistic about that, but you know, in, in most places it's 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 sort of taken a little bit of the at least temporary edge off people's enthusiasm for using public transport. And so we want people to still be getting out in their communities. Um, mm. and they need safe ways to do it. And walking and cycling are great, not just because um it it, cre- it creates opportunities for a safe trip for you, um, but yeah, we want healthy populations. So we want people to keep exercising and we want people to keep eating well and we we don't want to see people just self-isolating away from the world because it's just not great for me. So you, you and your, your study interviewed um, transport professionals in London and Bogota and Sydney and Melbourne. Um, did, what do they do that we didn't do? I think that they were already way more committed mm. to low carbon cities. 
uh, they had great plans ready to go. And somewhere like Bogota, which is it's really interesting, right? I mean, it's not, not a wealthy society. Um, they were they have the Ciclavia thing, you know, where one day a week they um, right. they that people are allowed to use a lot of streets for bikes. And as a result of that, it means people, lots of people have bikes. They're used to it. So they could just sort of roll it out seven days a week, basically. And they also put in a lot of bike lanes along public transport routes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did that. Uh, places like London were really interesting. They also brought in a lot of cycle lanes. But they really went hard on low-traffic neighbourhoods, which right. are a fantastic intervention for COVID as well as climate because they're about making it um, easier and safer locally, which is where most people were doing their walking and cycling and, you know, when we have, when we have lockdowns. Um, you know, for people to walk in cycles. So their COVID and their climate response are really heavily focused on um, our low traffic neighbourhoods, which is fantastic. You know, we think cycling, we think cycle lanes, but it's way wider than that. Um, yeah, places like Melbourne and Sydney, you know, Sydney was pretty similar situation to us at the time, and yet they had a plan ready to go. They had a, 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 um, a transport minister what are they called at the state level who mm-hmm. basically had a philosophy of you can't say no let's make this happen and they just went for it yeah they were way mm. more committed to begin with they had plans and they were ready to go so where the where do the barriers lie in new zealand to to a, a much more extensive rollout of walking and cycling infrastructure i think that um safety is really key right um mm. You know, you just won't walk or cycle if you have to risk your life to do it. Mm. And yet we we just don't have the laws and regulations that understand um, street safety as, as, as like a, a legal issue um, in the way that we do with aviation and, 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 and sort of um, rail, for instance. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's... there's you know, it's just seen as like a technical issue. Just make this safe. Let's get the engineers. Here we see streets really, really differently. Um, we see it as like a, just sort of a, an amenity issue. Like what color do your wheelie bins? Should they be like, let's take a vote, <laughs> you know? And so we don't expect to get on a plane and be asked to take a vote about how fast it should take off, how wide the runway should be. Um and so, but that's how we treat our streets. So it's mm. all about, you know, who can yell the loudest at the meeting or let's take a vote on it when they're kind of just technical safety issues, which is why we have so many people that die on our streets and not so much on our planes and, and, and with rail, you know. Right. Um, so you put it very it, well. It, so it's, we're like that, other countries aren't. Yeah. Presumably there's historic, cultural, political reasons for that. What, what's your understanding about that? That's a good question. Um, I mean, you know, sometimes it's just a bit of a, a quirk that countries get so behind. I mean, you know, we're very car-dominated. Um, mm. and um, But we weren't always. You know, and, and and it's not even the case everywhere. I mean, Christchurch, for instance, at 7% cycling mode, at one point was the highest cycling city in the world, you know. Um, 
or perhaps number two, and is getting back up there again. So, you know, it's not even everywhere. I mean, certainly places like Auckland, it's really obvious. Mm. Um, But it becomes a bit of a chicken and egg situation. Like people kind of talk themselves into it because it's so hard to shift. So we Mm. have really strong... Um, we have really weak safety regulations around how our transport system um, is required to take um, be accountable for the effect on people's lives. We also have really weak regulations around the effect on the environment. So that's why you know we've got the marketing of these huge utes and SUVs mm, everywhere mm-hmm. because we've had really terrible environmental standards as well. Um, you know, it's just all got very weak and so we've got quite strong um commercial influence from the car companies from the from the, and from the roading companies we just have a cultural history now of having quite strong car dominance and of course the toughest thing is if you leave it till the last minute if you wait till your roads are full and you've got people stressed out you know on these full roads worried about getting a park and then you try and do something about the situation um it's really tough it's really tough you know because um Hmm. you know people are already stressed out and they want more road not less you did make the the point in the report that that um one of the challenges that the, is that the transport policy makers in New Zealand like to work with operators, commercial operators, mm. organisations that they can understand and work with, and that mm. those things are absent in walking and cycling. Uh, is, is, it, it, can you imagine that changing any time? Yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I hope that is changing. Um, you know, there's a lot of really passionate, knowledgeable people um, in walking and cycling in Aotearoa and mm. in, in the advocacy groups. Um, I, 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 I hope that, that they're getting more of a voice. I mean, we see the, the new emissions reduction plan. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, you know, it's really got a lot in there about walking and cycling. I mean, I, I, I've seen the, the, you know, on paper commitments Mm-hmm. really ramping up to walking and cycling. Absolutely. You know, um, you know, Auckland's climate plan committing to increasing cycling by 10 times, 10 times by 2030. Yes. You know, very ambitious goals. Um, the challenge is the implementation has not been strong. You know, we, we sort of probably still have a lot of old-fashioned thinking um, mm. in our transport agencies. So, um yeah we face a really rapid transition um but of course you know bikes uh walking you know that stuff we've got already ready to go you know all this reliance on electric cars um an amazing bit of technology but they only life cycle wise only reduce emissions by half on a just on a normal car and and you know we hang on to our cars for 14 years you know, and we're faced with this task of rapid decarbonisation um, by, you know, 60% decarbonisation by 2030 in our transport sector we should be aiming for. And, and so when you've got these cheap tools already ready to go, you know, we could get out some road cones and make a cycling network in Auckland next week if we wanted. So there's so much expertise in those walking and cycling groups, so many committed 
uh, awesome people. So I, I, I hope that that is changing. Yeah, yeah. I hope it's changing. Well, it's, it's interesting. You talk about the institutions that, um, that your research was funded by Waka Kotahi. So yeah. that kind of suggests that there are stakeholders within that monolithic organization that are interested in change. I uh, are they influential enough to get stuff done? Well, I think the Innovating Streets project, um, you know, it's pretty fantastic. I think it, I think it is starting to happen, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it, it's slow. It's still slower than than we need. You know, m- much much slower. And you know, we've got a transport funding system that's still based on um, mainly supporting roads, collecting money from petrol cars <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know we've got what well, i guess what i say is there's substantial commercial and regulatory barriers that we still have in place but mm. a groundswell of um sentiment evidence um commitment towards changing things absolutely it's right. a big hill but there's some really incredible people running fast at it definitely including in our transport agencies so having talked to um these um central government (coughs) excuse me transport professionals and local government equivalents and having surveyed the situation overseas where where do you think all this takes us in, in in the next five years in terms of streetscape reallocation in new zealand I'd love to see us um, starting to think about the future a bit more and and understanding that it's just such valuable space, our streets, and well-being-wise. You know, we really need to think about how we can open them up for other stuff than driving because we're really going to need them. You know, I mean... One of the things that um, great climate researcher Suzanne Moser, you know, she says people talk a lot about how can we escape, where can I go to escape the effects of climate? You know, where am I going to be able to go where it's going to be okay? And she says, you know, there sort of isn't going to be anywhere. So probably the most important thing that you can do is get to know your neighbour. We're going to need each other more than we've ever needed each other before, you know. So Mm. that neighbourhood connection, um, it's it's really important. And we need to think about how to facilitate it so that we can have these networks of support uh, to help us cope with climate. And we need to figure out how to make it safe so that we can still use our outdoor spaces and our communities as it gets hotter we need more trees as we get more disease we need to be able to physically distance so just like putting our future cap on and being like how do we how do we use our streets so that we can have the sort of new zealand that we understand to be new zealand i we can go outside you know Mm. and um (laughs) we can be safe and we can see people and we can feel part of something which is you know why lots of us are attracted to being in cities you know mm, we mm. like to feel part of this interconnected um you know hive of human activity and um you know if we if we if we if we don't put our well-being cap on um and think about how environmental change is going to challenge us with streets then um 
we're just going to get lots of isolating and um you know that's mm. you know that's that's not great is it i mean in our first lockdown last year there were a, a quarter of people who said they didn't make essential trips because they felt they couldn't physically um distance mm. so you know that's an issue yep it is yeah um so you, 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 you're not painting the most cheerful picture, to be honest. Um, oh, what, I'm sorry. <laughs> what, 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 um, what, what gives you cause for optimism, in, in knowing knowing what you know about how all of all of this works? Well, I think just the case for um, doing things differently is just getting stronger and stronger. Mm. You know, they, I mean, they say you know we can either think about climate. And um, you know, zoonosis, um, infectious disease, or whatever, is as a crisis. Or, or, or we can say our time is now. You know, like our moment has arrived. Mm-hmm. And I think we're so seeing that with so many different groups, you know, coming together, um, even if it's online, <laughs> to <laughs> say, hey, we've got this precious taonga, which is our streets. Um, like, let's think about how we want to use it. Like, it was quite a concerted effort when the car came on the scene. They had to put in a lot of effort to clear people off the streets, you know. Mm-hmm. And you see old pictures of our cities and people are standing and chatting in the middle of the streets. I mean, the streets are the place where you meet people, you mm-hmm. know, not just the footpaths. Like, um, And so it was it was hard work, you know, to come up with the situation we've got now. And... Um, I, you know, we, we're seeing overseas some really inspiring examples, um, you know, some small green shoots here, as I say, like, I mean, thinking about the Wellington experience where they're like, no, nope, we're not going to do the Auckland incremental four kilometres of cycle here. Right. Um, you know, we've got Christchurch, which is compared to Auckland that's putting in four k's of kilometre of cycleway a year, has been putting in 50 kilometres. Um you know, is our first city which has a big proper network, you know, yeah. uh, of cycleways. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like um, there's lots to be inspired by. And, um, you know, it's once again, you know, is are we going to see breakdown or, or, or are we going to see breakthrough when it comes to climate? And I, I, there's just, we have nothing to lose by focusing on breakthrough. and. Um, I feel like we're, there's lots of inspiring stuff going on. Mm. We just okay. need uh, to keep at that, it. That does make me feel a bit more cheerful. What? Last question. Sorry, Russ. <laughs> Not at all. So, last question, Kirsty. What? What? What could the motivated Jane and Joe in the street, the you know, the cycling and the cyclist and the walker, do to get more street skate reallocated in this country? What's within well, the individual this, mandate? We have this another green shoot. We have this repurposing streets bill, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know a heap about, but is another you know, um, it's another thing to be optimistic about, which is trying to respond to some of these challenges that we have, and in, in Aotearoa, where you know you have to have these endless rounds of consultation, the putting your hand up on the jetliner, how far should it go? Um, you know, and so it's trying to maybe cut through that a little bit with having some things like experimental traffic orders. So that's what they use in the UK. They can kind of put in something 
new and interesting and then um, to support climate or COVID goals, community well-being, like a low-traffic neighbourhood. And then you consult six months down the track when you when people have had a chance to experience it rather than mm. in the abstract where there's all these tales of Armageddon. Um, so we may get something like that. So we may be at the point where we're going to um, have some new tools. And so I would just say get in behind supporting moves like that to um, Jane and, and Joe on the street. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like um, it's, it's, I don't, I don't um, ever want to, people to feel like that they have to go out and bike on some horrendously dangerous road, you know, <laughs> so that their children have got a climate future. So it's about, you know, we need to support the initiatives that are coming out um, and, um, yeah, know that everywhere else is doing it, it's not a disaster. In fact, there's just so much evidence that we can have massive co-benefits. I, our communities are healthier, more connected, even if physically distance, um, and have lower carbon. I, I'm all for um, green hedonisms. You know, let's think about how we can have great lives that are low carbon, not focusing on just denying ourselves and, you know, this vision of, um, you know, I don't know, walking in the rain places or I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't have to be grim. It can be great. Um, and so get in behind those initiatives that are coming because we will see more and more. Amen to that. Dr. Kirsty Wild, thank you very much for joining this climate business. My pleasure. This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. 